Three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was on a weekend camping trip with high school students from here at Calvary Church. Josh Carhan, our high school pastor, his wife Alyssa, and myself, we were up north camping uh, over the weekend. Now, I have to be honest with you, camping kind of is not my thing. Like, I don't want to necessarily grow in that area. I don't want to get any better at camping. In fact, I, uh, in fact, I slept in the back of an SUV. Uh, to me, that was a better place to sleep than in a tent because I've found that when you wake up in a tent, it's, it's, it's dewy and wet in the morning. And the back of an SUV is still nice and dry and it's relatively warm. So camping's not really my thing, but it was great to be there with the people that I was there with. We had a really nice time and we had the opportunity to get to know each other better, to kind of hang out. We had the opportunity to share stories, to share the stories about how God is kind of working in our lives and how God is involved in our journeys. And I'd like to share a bit of one of those stories with you this morning in light of the topic that we have for this morning. One of the people on the trip was a guy by the name of Nikos. Nikos is a Greek national who is here with us this summer at Calvary. Currently, Nikos serves, uh, or he serves at Glafada Church, which is a partner church, a church we partner with in Greece. He also attends a Bible college there, but this summer, He's with us at Calvary for a number of weeks, serving in our high school ministry. So Nikos was along on the trip. On Saturday night, Nikos had the opportunity to share his story. And he shared how he came to faith in Jesus. Nikos was raised by a Christian mother and an unbelieving father. And while he was a child, he attended church. But at 13 years of age, he decided that He no longer wanted to go to church and he wanted to live what he said was the good life. That's what he said. I wanted to live the good life. And for him, the good life meant pursuing worldly pleasure, worldly comfort, and worldly success. So that's what Nikos did. At 13, he started pursuing the good life until about the age of 19 or 20. And one night at the age of 19 or 20, after some fairly heavy partying, Nikos was out in the street outside of, a, outside of a nightclub, and a person came up to him and shared Jesus with him. And as the person was sharing Jesus with him, it reminded Nikos of his childhood. But there was something that the person said that made Nikos think about the brevity of life. And Nikos said it was if he saw life on this earth as just a speck of sand, a speck of sand that would be poof, and that's what he did, he went poof, that would be poof, that speck of sand would be gone in such a short period of time, and he he compared the speck of sand in his mind, the speck of sand was compared to a beach full of unlimited sand. And in Nico's mind, he decided that it was foolish to live your life for a speck of sand as opposed to living your life for a beach full of unlimited sand. So that night, Nikos decided 
that he was going to put his faith in Jesus and live for eternity. Now, that was the second time that I had heard Nikos' testimony. And both times that I heard his testimony, I was encouraged and I was convicted. I was encouraged because it was awesome to hear how God saved and rescued Nikos. But I was convicted because I realized that I didn't think very much about heaven. To me, heaven is kind of that place, right, that is, is out there. It's a bit mysterious. It's a bit hard to wrap your mind around. So as a result, I hadn't thought about it very much. Have you ever heard that statement? There's a statement out there. Some people say that there's some people that are so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. Some people are so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. And I kind of was one of the people that thought that, that if I thought too much about heaven, I wouldn't be focused on the now. But I was wrong. I was really, really wrong. You see, we need to focus on heaven. We need to recognize that this life is but a speck of sand, poof, and it's going to be gone compared to a beach full of unlimited sand. We need to be a people who recognize that focusing on heaven will actually make us more effective in the present. Yes. It makes our lives more meaningful, more peaceful, yes. more valuable to God because focusing on heaven encourages us to live a full, meaningful life here. C.S. Lewis observes that most people do not think too much about heaven. Most people actually think about heaven too little. Look at what Lewis wrote in his book, Mere Christianity. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who thought the most about the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman emperor, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and yes, that is a woo statement. Aim at earth and you will get neither. If you are taking notes, I would encourage you to write that down. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. That is the point that we think that we want to make to think about the next world. The more effective we think, the more effective, the more we think about the next world, the more effective we will become in this world. And if that's not enough of a reason 
to think about the next world? There is a more obvious reason. The more obvious reason is that our exit from this world is certain and it is relatively soon. You see, the statistics on death are pretty strong. One in every one person dies. No one leaves this world alive. So what's next for you? Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open up to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, we're continuing our study in the book of Isaiah, we're coming to the end. Isaiah 65 is found on page 610 in the Bible that's in the rack in front of you. This morning, we are going to think about the next world. We are going to get a glimpse of heaven. Now, we're going to start here in Isaiah, but then we are going to jump to the last book of the Bible. We are going to jump to the end of the whole thing, and we're going to look at Revelation 21 and 22. But before we get started, I want to make something clear to you. I want you to know that the Bible does not tell us all that we want to know about heaven. Everything the Bible tells us is true. It's just not exhaustive. And this morning, I'm not even going to be able to share with you everything that the Bible says about heaven. So this morning, we are just going to get a glimpse of heaven, and it's my hope that this glimpse of heaven will whet your appetite for what is to come. Now look with me, Isaiah 65, beginning in verse 17. We're going to read through 19. Listen to Isaiah's description of heaven. See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Now this is a beautiful description of heaven. Isaiah says that God will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, a place with no weeping or crying, a place full of joy. This is a reference to heaven. And by heaven, I mean the eternal state of all believers in Jesus Christ. This is the place where we are going to spend, we being all followers of Jesus Christ, you and me, where we are going to spend forever and ever and ever. The last two weeks, we've focused on the millennial kingdom. That's Jesus's thousand year reign. We've also talked about the rewards that we're going to receive for our work here then. But talking about the millennial kingdom, this morning, our focus is on the new heavens and the new earth. This is what is going to follow the millennial kingdom. First, the millennial kingdom, then the new heavens and new earth. So now, take your Bibles and turn to the end turn all the way to the book of Revelation, the last two chapters, chapter 21 and 22. If you need the page reference, it's page 1004, the last page. Revelation 21 and 2 has the most detailed description of heaven. In Revelation 21 and 22, the Apostle John reveals to you and to me what Jesus revealed to him. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Just like Isaiah, right? This is what Isaiah is picturing. The new heavens, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. This is the eternal state for all believers in Jesus Christ. This is ultimately where we will live forever and ever. Now, as we move forward, I would like to share with you six things, six things about this new heavens, new earth, and new Jerusalem. They're kind of descriptions, aspects, or realities of heaven. Six things. First, the first thing about heaven, it's a real place. It's a real place. John wrote that he saw, he saw with his eyes a new heaven and a new earth. With his eyes, he saw a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Heaven is not an imaginary destination created by well-meaning individuals to keep us from being overwhelmed by the harsh realities of this world. Heaven is a real place. It's what John saw. But it's not only what John saw, it's what Jesus talks about as well. In the last week of Jesus' life, when he was troubled when he was looking forward to what he was going to have to face, when he was looking forward to betrayal, when he was looking forward to beatings, when he was looking forward to a trial, when he was looking forward to the crucifixion, when his disciples were troubled, when his disciples were unsure of the future, when the disciples were hearing Jesus talk more and more about his imminent death, look what Jesus said to them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus himself says that he is going to prepare a place, a place that is full of many rooms. This language speaks of a real place. And especially in the original Greek of the New Testament, it speaks, the words in Greek speak of a place, a location on a map of physical reality. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place, a place with many rooms, a place that he is preparing for you and me, and it is a real place. Secondly, it's not only a real place, it's a new place. The new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. Look again at what John writes I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. A new heavens, a new earth, and a new 
Jerusalem. That's because the first heaven and the first earth is going to pass away. Look at how the apostle Peter talks about this. Look at what he writes. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Now, God doesn't tell us how exactly the earth is going to be destroyed. He speaks of a fire. He speaks of the elements burning. He says this to us through Peter, but he doesn't tell us exactly how that's going to happen. Now, some people speculate. Some people speculate that there's going to be a great nuclear disaster. Others speculate that maybe a large asteroid or asteroids are going to hit earth and this destruction by fire is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I do know that Jesus spoke the universe into existence with a word. He can certainly speak its destruction in a word if that's how he chooses. But the point here is not about the destruction. The point is about the recreation. The fact that there is going to be a new heavens and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. This is going to not only be a real place, it is going to be a new place. Which leads us to the third description of heaven. It's not only going to be new, it is going to be familiar. Because sometimes in our mind, we think of new as being completely different. And if it's completely different to some of us, that would mean it's going to be a scary place. But it's not going to be completely different. There's going to be familiarity with what's happening. It's not going to be unfamiliar. It's going to be new, starting over without sin. So from Revelation 21 and 22, we see that the things are still physical in nature. In Revelation 21, beginning in verse 10, we read that there's a city with walls and gates and a foundation. In verses 15 through 17, we read that there are still measurements, which means that there's still going to be math. Sorry, students. (laughs) In 18 through 21, we read about precious jewels. Look at the second half of verse 24. It says that the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. This can mean bringing into the city the things that we have created and accomplished, like art and music. In 22, verses 1 and 2, we see that there's still water and trees. In 22, verse 3, we see that we're going to be still working. We're going to be serving God. We read that the 12 apostles are still the 12 apostles. We read that the 12 tribes of Israel are still remembered. But not only will heaven be familiar, 
it's going to be different as well. Look at 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Did you catch that the first time? No longer any sea. There's no longer going to be any oceans. Now we see, we understand that there's going to be water. In 22 verse 1, we see that the new capital city, the new Jerusalem, will gush with fresh, life-giving water, but no oceans. My thought is we will likely still have Lake Michigan because that's better than oceans anyway. (laughs) No salt, no sharks. Like, Lake Michigan's the best of all worlds. But no oceans. We're not going to have any oceans here. Now, some people speculate about this as well. They think that, well, maybe there's going to be no oceans because there needs to be more space to accommodate all the people who are going to be in heaven. Other people think that there's going to be no oceans because there's no need for them. You see, oceans are, are, are made up of salt. It's salt water, right? And salt's a preservative, and heaven's going to have no decay, for, so there's going to be no need for preservative. But the point is, is it says that there's going to be no oceans in the new heavens and on the new earth. And it's not that just the oceans that are going to be missing. There's another difference as well. And this one's a big one. The new heavens and the new earth will have no sun or moon. Look at 21 verse 23. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. Heaven has no need for sun or for the moon because Jesus, the light of the world, is going to be shining out upon the new earth and the new Jerusalem. No need. Look at uh, 25, look at verse 25. Its gates will never be shut for there will be no night there. 22 verse 5, there will be no more night They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light. There's going to be no more night. No more darkness. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the amount of light that God and Jesus have to throw off? The brilliance and the brightness to create a new world, a new city that doesn't need the sun? Because the light from God and from Jesus will be so brilliant. I also think there's one more thing that's not going to be necessary. Another thing that's going to be different. I don't think I'm going to have a job. I don't think there's going to be a need for preachers. Nobody's going to have to share the gospel. There's going to be no more sin. So I'm going to need a job. So I guess I'm going to need some help from at least one of you to get me a job in the new heaven. That's definitely one of the differences. Now the fourth thing I'd like to share about heaven. It's going to have an amazing capital city. An amazing capital city. After the recreation of the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem will descend and rest upon the newly recreated earth. 21 verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And jump down to verse 10. 
And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. We've already seen that this is a city with the foundations and walls and gates that never shut. The point here is, is that this is a real city, complete with residences, complete with streets, complete with buildings that people actually occupy. Residents will occupy the buildings and the residents of heaven. You and me as followers of Jesus Christ will reside, we will live in this city. And it's a majestic, incredible city. You say, I want to move to the big city. Some of you have moved to the big, great city of Grand Rapids. And some people have left this big, great city of Grand Rapids to move to Chicago and experience the amazing nature of Chicago. Grand Rapids, Chicago have nothing on the New Jerusalem. It is an amazing, amazing city beyond words. But I'd like to point out two aspects of this new city. The first aspect is this is a huge city. It is an incredibly large city. For some, this is the most striking feature of the city. Look how John describes it. 21 verses 15 through 17. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. This is huge. This is a huge, huge city. Do you see that little C next to the word stadia? That means go down to the bottom of this page and see the conversion of the measurement. See that at the bottom of the page? 12,000 stadia. 12,000 stadia is roughly 1,400 miles, 1,400 miles. And please notice that John describes the city as a cubed-shaped city, as long as it is wide and as high as it is long. This means that the surface area of the New Jerusalem is about 10, excuse me, 2 million square miles. The surface area of the city, 2 million square miles. In comparison, New York City is 305 square miles. 2 million square miles, the New Jerusalem, 305 square miles, New York City. If you place the New Jerusalem in the center of the United States, it would stretch from Canada in the north to Mexico in the south, from the Appalachian Mountains in the east to California in the west. But more than that, the height is amazing as well. If the average skyscraper has a story that is 12 feet, has a 12-foot story, you following me? Each story, 12 feet. The New Jerusalem would have 660,000 stories. The largest, tallest 
building in the world right now is in Dubai, and it has a mere 163 stories. 660,000 stories in height. And the space is needed. The space is needed to accommodate all of the believers of all time. I came across a mathematician who did the math and determined that heaven, the new Jerusalem, could hold 20 billion residences, residents, with each of them having 75 acres. 20 billion people, each having 75 acres. Now, after last week, I'm shooting for a little more acreage. But do you understand the size of this? The walls are 72 yards in width. That's almost three quarters of a football field, the width of the walls. And I don't think these measurements are symbolic. John goes out of his way in verse 17 to tell us that these are human measurements. But it's not only the size. The second aspect that I'd like to share with you is the beauty, the beauty of the new Jerusalem. I'd like to point out, I've pointed out that it is a place of immense size. It is also a place of immense beauty. God is a God of beauty. Think about the world we live in. Think about the majesty and the beauty of the mountains. Think about when you look up in a clear night sky and you see all the stars spread out. Think of the beauty. Think of the beauty of a sunrise on a misty morning. Think about the beauty of a sunset over Lake Michigan, the beautiful reds and oranges and just the extreme beauty that exists. And that is the beauty that exists in this fallen, broken world. Think of the beauty that must exist in heaven. I can't do it justice. Listen to how John describes it. And I will tell you, it doesn't matter whether it is literal or symbolic. The beauty is expressed with incredible detail. Look at what he says, 21 verse 18. The wall was made out of jasper in the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold as pure as transparent glass. Jump down to 22 verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is incredible beauty and splendor. There are not enough superlatives in this world to effectively and efficiently demonstrate the beauty that God has in store in this new Jerusalem. but it just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better with these last two descriptions of the new Jerusalem. We're on to number five now. The new Jerusalem, the new heaven 
on the new earth is a place of no more. It's a place of the best no more than you can ever imagine. Now, not only will there be no more sun and no more moon and no more darkness, but it's even a better no more. Look at 21 verse four. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more hurt, no more separation, no more disappointments, no more struggles, no more. Think about this with me for a minute. No more hospitals, no more nursing homes, no more prescriptions, no more pharmacies to fill the prescriptions, no more mental illness, no more courtrooms, no more lawyers, no more divorce, no more loneliness, no more, no more, no more injustice. Do you understand in this no more, God is going to make all the wrongs right. And they will be right, listen, they will be right forever and ever and ever. It's the best no more that you could ever imagine. Which brings us to the last and the most exciting an important description of heaven. The new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. It's a real place. It's new. But better than all the beauty and all the majesty. Greater than the size even better than the no more is the fact that in the new Jerusalem, we will live in the presence of God and Jesus forever. Look at 21 verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. In 21 verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And finally, 22 verse 3, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Do you understand that we are finally going to be in the presence, the physical presence of Almighty God and Jesus? Our faith will be made sight. You will see what you have believed in your life. Do you understand what this means? Right now, Jesus is preparing for you a place, a place that is real, a place that is new, a place that is familiar yet with incredibly beautiful differences. This place that he is creating for you is gonna have no more. Yeah. 
no more of the injustice, the hurt and the pain of this life. But most of all, and best of all, we are going to live in the presence of God Almighty. Right now, Jesus is preparing a place for you and for me. Nikos had it right. We all have the choice to live our lives for the speck of sand. But that speck is going to be gone. Life is short. Eternity is long. How foolish. How foolish to live your life for a speck of sand. And it's not only foolish, it's dangerous. There's some verses that I wanted to ignore in Revelation 21, but I can't. I'd like you to see what Jesus himself said. Look at these words. Jesus said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. Those who are victorious will inherit everything that we've talked about this morning and more. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. See, these are Jesus' own words. Not everyone is going to inherit the gift of the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. For those who do not believe in Jesus, for those who do not go to Jesus to heal their brokenness, to those who do not confess their sins to Jesus, to those who do not live for Jesus, there is a second death. And it's not a pretty result. But to those who are thirsty, to those who are thirsty, to those who believe in Jesus, to those who have gone to Jesus to heal their brokenness, to those who have gone to Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, to those who live their life for Jesus. There is a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. We each have a choice. Please, please 
please make the right choice. You won't want to miss heaven. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.